Get ready to power up your nostalgia. In this solo episode of the Waffling Tailors, we're diving headfirst into the 8-bit wonders of the NES classic Power Blade, or its Japanese counterpart, Power Blazer. It's time to explore the highs, lows, and everything in between in the latest installment of our Worth a Try series. So grab your power suit and let's embark on a pixelated journey filled with boomerangs, robots, and a whole load of retro gaming goodness. Let's do this. Powerblade is a NES game that I genuinely think that Mega Man fans should check out, if they haven't done already that is. I mean, imagine if the mighty kid himself was less a robotic boy created by Dr. Thomas Light, or Wright if you're Japanese, and more of a tank top wearing 80s action movie hero very much akin to Arnold Schwarzenegger. And what if Mega Man's trusty arm cannon blaster was replaced with a boomerang? I feel like I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, so let's dial it back a bit. Back in 1990, Natsume slash Taito wanted to make a Mega Man 2 clone. Their clone would be called Power Blazer, and would be very much like the second outing of the Knuckle Kid himself. He used a similar design aesthetic, similar enemies, and similar level layouts. And looking at the critical reviews of Mega Man 2, you can see why they wanted to. Famitsu gave it a 28 out of 40, Mean Machines a 95%, and Total an 83%. And it sold 1.5 million copies worldwide. I mean, who wouldn't want a piece of that action? And so, Power Blazer was released to the Japanese public. Power Blazer was slightly different to Mega Man 2 in that it had a very linear story. Where Mega Man games would traditionally allow you to pick any starting stage, Power Blazer wanted you to run through it all from the start to the end. In one go, in one path. And the main character had a boomerang rather than an arm cannon blaster, as I said earlier. Between its Japanese and North American releases, however, the game had a full rework. The design aesthetic was changed from the cutesy Mega Man 2 inspired look and feel to that of an 80s action movie. Almost everything about the game changed, except for the UI, the music and the story. The player character, named Nova in both versions, was swapped from a Mega Man lookalike to an Arnold Schwarzenegger style hero. In either game, it's the player's job to collect six computer tapes this was a game made at the tail end of the 80s after all and use them to override the security around the Master Computer's control center. Once there, the player simply needs to beat the Master Computer to end the game. In the Western release of Powerblade, the player could choose the order of the stages, even replaying some of the completed stages if they really wanted, but also had to meet up with double agents in the stages before they could take on the stages boss and nab the security tape. Sounds simple, eh? Well, Power Blade is a pretty tough game and rewards players who know the routes around the stages. As I said earlier, one of the few things to make it through the rework of the Western release was the music. And it slaps. There are a lot of NES soundtracks which are legendary, and I can name drop a few. In fact, I will. The Legend of Zelda. Super Mario Bros. 3. Castlevania, Final Fantasy, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
even though the TMNT track music was a very clear ripoff of Stone Cold Crazy by Queen. But I feel like Powerblade is seldom mentioned in this list of NES game soundtracks. I mean, without having to change a single beat, Yamashita Kinoyo's music fit both the Mega Man 2 and 80s action movie vibe, and you can hear why. Seriously, how cool is this music? And you don't even have to see the intro to know that Nova does a superhero landing when you start the game. You can hear it in the music. In the tradition of most games of the time, and especially the Mega Man series, Nova moves from left to right, leaping between platforms, climbing ladders and avoiding all manner of traps, all while blasting enemies with his boomerang. The story, such that there is one, is pretty flimsy. I'll get Delilah to talk you through it. In 2191, a computer known as I want to do it. Whoops. One second, folks. I've got a little sibling rivalry to sort out. Now, Russell, we love you to bits. Quite literally. Um, but Delilah hasn't had much of a chance to be on the show as of yet. So would you mind if she does it just this one time? And you can get the next one, honest. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Delilah. That's very kind of you, Russell. Thank you. As I was saying, in 2191, a computer known as the Master Computer has gone a bit, well, wobbly. It's locked everyone out of the different zones of a major population area. It's the player's job, as Nova, to travel to six different areas, beat the bosses there, and find the security tapes guarded by those bosses. These security tapes will give the player access to the Master Computer's inner sanctum, once there, they have to beat the master computer, and all will be right with the world again. Very well put, Delilah. Thank you, Jay. So, you have to take your Arnie knockoff. Um, seriously, the press start screen has a literal promo photo of Arnold Schwarzenegger from the Terminator in the background. Check the show notes. And your boomerang, and make your way through six stages. The platforming is pretty bog-standard for NES titles of its day, without requiring TMNT-style pixel-perfect jumps. Much. And the stages are big enough that playing through all six and beating the boss will take you around 90 minutes, once you've learned the optimal stage order. Most enemies are taken down with between 2 and 5 hits from your boomerang, but there are power-ups throughout the game which extend both its power and Nova's throwing. Initially, Nova will have a boomerang that looks more like a set square, all right-angled, and he'll only be able to chuck it about 4cm in front of him. But with the aid of the power-up sound in the game, the boomerang will magically smooth off into a perfect curve that your average beach-going boomerang chucker would be envious of. And if you find the power blade, a rare power-up with only 6 available in the entire game, you'll become a mechanised one-man army of death and destruction wielding a neon pink boomerang that can take down almost anything in one hit. But watch out, because you can only take 3 hits before dropping the boomerang equivalent of an intercontinental ballistic missile to the face. Speaking of bosses, there are some interesting boss designs in this game. From a mechanised dragon which can phase shift out of existence to a riot shield holding robot, and from a robot beehive, because why not, to a fat green robot in a skirt that floats around shooting lightning out of its index finger, and finally to a giant head with goatee on a floating robot platform. 
Are you seeing the Mega Man 2 influences yet? I poke fun, but these bosses are both challenging and mix the gameplay up quite a lot by adding some much needed what the style design choices, just like almost all 8-bit boss characters did back then. Power Blade was followed up in 1992 with a sequel called, you guessed it, Power Blade 2. But what you might not have guessed is that the sequel was subtitled Captain Saver. We're using the Japanese title for the sequel because why let go of a good name, right? The sequel dropped most of the elements that the development team had borrowed from Mega Man and replaced them with most of the elements and design of Metroid games. They added a ducking slide mechanic, a duck and then press the jump button to slide under obstacles, and gave the game more of a cyberpunk and dystopian aesthetic. The sequel was okay, I guess. It certainly wasn't a patch on the Western release of the original, and it also had a photo of Arnold Schwarzenegger in the background of the press start screen. Again, check the show notes. But this one had less of a Terminator vibe and more of a Commando one. One of these days, I'm going to talk about all of the dodgy copyright theft that went on in these early games. From Michael Bien as John Connor on the Metal Gear box art, to the unlicensed use of Sonny Chiba on the Revenge of Shinobi start screen. Anyway, do yourself a favour and skip Power Blade 2. It's just not very good. As I wrote in an old blog post about this game, link in the show notes, I could and still do play this game in a single sitting on either difficulty and complete it in under an hour simply because of the amount of time I gave this game throughout my gaming career. As soon as you get into one of the stages and start boomeranging your way through the enemies, you'll start to realise that it's very similar to Mega Man and Castlevania. There's really only one pathway through each stage with plenty of backtracking, but you can take on any of the six stages in whatever order you wish. Just like Mega Man, there's an element of controlled, non-linear progress through the game. And I really liked that about Power Blade when I first played it. I remember being blown away by this game because of the combination of action, platforming, and utter ridiculousness of the setup. I mean, he kills bad guys with his boomerang. Especially since it's just kind of accepted that Nova has a boomerang and uses it in this high-tech world. Would I recommend this game? Definitely. Is my recommendation based on nostalgia? More than likely. Powerblade can feel a little clunky compared to the likes of Mega Man and Metroid, but it's definitely worth an hour of your time. Um, pro tip, start with stage 5. That one's always my favourite. I mean, that says it all, really. You've just been listening to my thoughts on Power Blade for the NES, why it's worth your time, and why you should pick it up if you've never played it. It's a ton of fun. Just make sure to play through the Western release, aka Power Blade, and avoid the sequel because it went too hard on the cyberpunky Metroidvania vibe and broke everything. If you've been sent this episode by a friend, or indeed a mortal enemy, or happened on it accidentally, I'd like to ask you to check out the website for the show at wafflingtailors.rocks. We have another 180 episodes or 7 years of our podcast for you to check out, and we have a section called Those Games We Played, which lists every game we've ever mentioned, how many times we've mentioned it, and what we've said about them. We have socials, um, they'll be in the links too. We've got Twitter or X, whichever one you want to call it. We've got Discord, um, you'll also find the details for that in the description. We also stream on Twitch from time to time. 
and you can find our previous streams and silly videos on our YouTube channel. So do come check us out. And with that, I'll say definitely go check out Powerblade. Oh, don't. I mean, I'm not the boss of you. And the game may pause, but the fun never ends. Until you've stocked up on more continues, this is Jay signing off. Happy gaming!